honor, Lord. We adore you. You're worthy. We praise you, Lord. We magnify your holy name. You're worthy of praise. You're worthy of honor, Lord. We bless your holy name. We magnify you. We lift you up. We declare you're holy. We declare you're worthy. The mighty name of Jesus. None can compare to you, Lord. None. We praise you this morning. May you be exalted. May you be lifted up. May you be magnified, O oh Lord. We bless your name. In the mighty name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray. Amen and amen. amen. Hallelujah. We bless the name of the Lord. You may take your seats. I will need you soon. Let's get seated. Bless the name of the Lord this morning. Amen. I'd like to thank you in a very special way for coming to church this morning. It looks like people are seated at the back. Do you mind moving to the front? So that at least I can see you closer. Just move to the front. Well done. That's that's exciting. I it. I organize the people myself. Who is to move forward? Rough come and come once again. And John, you move forward. So I'll just be moving people forward. Amen. And then the shell move forward. Okay, alright, okay. I understand that. Amen. It's good to see all of you in God's house this morning. Amen. We're going to take some time to pray again today. But before we go into a time of prayer, we are going to have Holy Communion. And uh, before the Holy Communion, I just want to share something which has been upon my heart quite strongly for this past week. I didn't know how to put it on a piece of paper, so I really struggled a bit to come up with the message early morning hours of today when it became very clear what we needed to focus on. Amen. So we're going to take some time and pray. We'll pray some more. I, I strongly believe that we need to take that time to pray. 
I, I continue teaching on the authority of prayer and faith. The authority of prayer and faith. So that's what we are going to continue looking at this morning. Amen. Amen. Remember last week I said you are too good for what? You're forgotten. Amen. At least one person remembers that they are too good for this world. Amen. You are too good for this world. So we looked at that uh, last week. We covered a bit around that and then we took some time to pray and then we'll take some time to pray some more today. Okay, let's go to the book of Hebrews chapter 11. This one to two, and I'm going to read the Message Bible. The Message Bible. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 2. We've been looking at the issue of prayer, and we've been looking at the issue of faith. Prayer and faith. The authority of prayer and faith. The Message Bible says it in this way, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 2. And I pray and believe that somebody's faith will be strengthened once more this morning. This one, the Bible says, the fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can see. The act of faith is what distinguished our ancestors, set them above the crowd. Hallelujah. I'll read it again. The fundamental fact of existence is that this trust in God, this faith, is the firm foundation under everything that makes life worth living. It's our handle on what we can see. The act of faith is distinguished, is what distinguished our ancestors set them above the crowd. Last week we saw that we are too good for this world and also we understand from the scripture that we have read this morning that it is God's desire to set us above the crowd. Hallelujah. And, and, and the scripture is saying the ultimate fact of existence the important fact of existence is that this trust in God, this thing we call faith, is the secure and well-founded foundation under everything that makes life worth living. So without faith, life is not worth living. Hallelujah. Because the only secure foundation, the only firm foundation, the only well-founded foundation that makes our life worth living 
is this thing called faith? Is this thing called the trust in God? That's why the Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. Hallelujah. This trust in God. And the Bible says, this trust in God, this faith, it's actually a handle on what we can see. And last week we talked and said, are there things you desire to see come to pass in your life? And you all responded. I think almost everyone said yes. I said, have they come to pass yet? And other people said, no, they haven't. And I said, have other people have what you desire to have in life? And you said, yes, others have. And I said, what do you think prevents God? Or makes God not to make you have that. So I said God desires that you have that. And Psalm 37 4 says, delight yourself also in the Lord. And he shall give you the desires of your heart. Some of these things may take forever. And, but as we read uh, Hebrews chapter 11... We also saw that others made it a point and said, even if God doesn't bring it to pass, but I'm going to hold on to this trust in God. I'm going to hold on to this handle of what I can see. And the Bible says, this act of faith, this kind of attitude is what distinguished those that went before us and set them above the crowd. They faced what we faced, but they had something they held on to and that set them above the crowd. And I said there are people mentioned in the Bible. That's last week as we were talking. I said there are people mentioned in the Bible that did unimaginable things. Things that you actually wonder. How could somebody be able to do a thing like this? And we're going to look at some of them, those people again this morning. I said people who did incredible things. People who did things that cannot be conceived inconceivable things, people who did things that when you read them, they sound unbelievable. But they were able to do them. Things that were unthinkable, things that were indescribable, things that are undreamt of or mind-boggling in today's language. But the reason was because they combined prayer and they combined faith. Hallelujah. And, and it's a challenge for us that we are able to combine prayer and to combine faith as we will see this morning. Amen. Yeah, Ephesians chapter 3.20 says that he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond what we can think or imagine. And I was saying last week that if we can think it, God can exceed it. There is absolutely nothing that God cannot do. What is impossible with man is possible with our God. Hallelujah. So let us, let us work on this mind thing that can prevent us to see the things that God wants to do in our lives because he really wants to do us good. Hallelujah. And as in verse 32 of Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, how much more do I need to say? It will take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon. It will take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Barak, the faith of Samson, the faith of Jephthah, the faith of David and the faith of Samuel and all the prophets. It would take too long to recount their stories. And, and, I, and it's my prayer that one day, someday, people will say, but this woman 
But this man, he trusted God. And the stories that we have, they cannot even fit in a book because they just chose to trust God. I told you, I think, the other week, a story of, of a lady that my wife and I visited the other week uh, in her to the family. And this lady got, was made redundant from work in 2014. She was disabled. She takes care of so many kids. And some of them, she's paying for them in university. Some of them in secondary school. And all these are not her own biological children. But every moment, every moment, it is due for this. She has to trust God that the Lord will provide. And she shared with us a story of how one day, one of our daughters, who is at Marco, it was the deadline for payment of fees that if she doesn't pay on that day, she's not going to run exams. And she said, I want you to support my God. And, and, and later on in the afternoon, around one o'clock, there's a knock at the gate. And somebody says, we want to buy some fruit seeds, but we don't need them now. We need them in about two or three months' time. But we have decided that we want to pay for the trees today. And when the money was paid, it was exactly the amount of the fees that was needed. And she had to tell the girl and say, jump on in the minibus right now. Call the college and tell them you're going to the bank to pay. She went and got to the bank just before they closed the bank, just before 3 o'clock. Walks into the bank and, and the mother tells to this young girl, she says, take a picture of yourself that I am on the line, I'm in the bank. So this young girl takes a picture, sends it to the guy who handles accounts at the college and says, I am on the line, I'm, 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 I'm there, I'm going to pay right now. And just before the deadline, the young girl paid for the fees. These things God can do. And these things, God can do them in your life. There is absolutely nothing that is impossible with God. Hallelujah. So, so he says, how long, how long? It will take too long to begin to recount these stories. And he says, by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms. By faith, these people ruled with justice. By faith, these people received what God had promised them. I hope it's not my God. By faith, these people received what God had promised them. Hallelujah. God is able to give you what he promised. Amen. He says, by faith, these people shut the mouths of lions. They quenched the flames of fire. They escaped death by the edge of the sword. And I want us to focus on the verse that I want us to look at today. It says, their weakness was turned to strength. That phrase was refusing to go away from my their weakness was turned to strength. Their weakness was turned to strength. Their weakness was turned to strength. And I kind of concluded and say, I think one of the things that makes us not to walk in the things that God wants what is to make is because sometimes we just become weak. And I had to define what is weakness. And the Bible says they became strong in battle and put the whole armies to flight. Women received their loved ones back again from death. 
So what I did was I had to look at weakness because, because it was a bit more intriguing for me about that weakness issue. And I concluded, there may be more other categories, but I concluded that I think weakness can be defined into two categories. There is physical weakness and there is also character weakness. And the physical weakness, as, as I was busy trying to look at the similar words that you can take, you can define weakness in, these are some of the words. So there are words like faintness, feebleness, delicateness, vulnerability, helplessness, frailty, infirmity, and defenselessness or defenseless. And I don't know if in your life, at a certain point in life, you have felt like you are fainting. I don't know if there's been a time in your life whereby you feel like right now I am delicate. Right now I am just vulnerable. Have you ever been in that stage in life? Whereby you just feel I am, right now I am vulnerable. That if somebody just talks to you, the best thing that can begin to come from your mouth is crying. Because you feel like I have fought enough battles. Life cannot continue like this. And you just become weak. Hallelujah. Not that you have sinned before God, but you're just weak. Sometimes, there are moments in life whereby you just feel defenseless. And we're going to look at those kind of situations in the Bible shortly. So if you are in any of these categories this morning, the Lord wants to minister to your life this morning. Hallelujah. You feel defenseless right now. You feel infirmity. You've, 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 there's been something you have struggled with and struggled with and struggled with. And you are wondering, Lord, when will this come to pass? When will I have peace? When, when will this come to an end? Hallelujah. You, you feel helpless. You, you feel that right now you are just vulnerable. You feel that right now you're just in a delicate place. You feel that right now you're just feeble. You feel that right now, if nothing happens, you're about to faint. That's weakness. That's number one. And then, there's another part of weakness. This is now a part that has to do with issues around character. And these are things like, whereby they are, uh, you, you, you define it like words like fault. Um, F-A-U-L-T. Words like mistake. How many of us have made mistakes before in life? And how much, how much energy and power did you feel like praying when you made a mistake? How many, how many really felt that, yeah, I've got the power to pray right now. I just made a very big blunder in my life. Now let me pray, pray. You feel weak. You feel defeated. You feel like God cannot answer your prayer. You feel actually like God doesn't want to hear you talk. Hallelujah. I said, how many, a flaw. There's something about you which you don't understand. You've wanted to leave this thing. You go like, but why do I keep on doing this thing? And people have pointed it out. And when they point it out, you feel like it's an insult because you already know. Hallelujah. And then it says shortcomings. How many of us have got shortcomings this morning? That's a weakness. Hallelujah. How many of us have failed in life before? I have. I can even lift it up more than all of you. 
And when, when you fail in life, it's hard. I want to submit to you. It's really hard to come on the knees and pray. You, you just feel defeated. It says the words like blemish. The words like imperfection. These things, they also fall under another category of faith. But this is what I would like to say this morning. Your weaknesses should draw you closer to God rather than drive you away from God. Because the challenge is whether it's physical weakness or whether it falls under this other category which I've just called character weakness. But because I didn't find a better name for it. But whether, whether it's character weakness, whether it's physical weakness, both of these kind of weaknesses should not drive you away from God. They should rather draw you near to God. And he says, draw near to me, and I will draw near to you. Hallelujah. So let's look at category one. When you feel that you are about to faint in your life, there's a scripture in the Bible, Isaiah 40, 31, it says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. I want to submit to you today that the only way you will renew strength in life is by waiting on the Lord. Even when the Bible makes sense or doesn't make sense, just wait on the Lord. Hallelujah. Even when you feel like not praying or praying, just wait on the Lord. It says, but they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And you know, waiting upon the Lord cannot happen if you are not praying, if you are not trusting God, if you are not saturating yourself in the word of God. It says, they shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. It's, it means they shall walk and they shall not become weak. They will move in all these categories. And as you keep on waiting upon the Lord, and, and I want you to understand, some of you might have, wait, might have waited upon the Lord for a long time. It's been years. You have become the talk of town. You have become the talk of your village. You have become the talk of, of your colleagues that you were with in secondary school or in college. And sometimes even the ones we went with in primary school, they talk about us. But you know what? You will surely meet the Lord in your season of waiting. It's better to wait upon the Lord than to wait upon man. Hallelujah. It's better to wait upon the Lord. So any moment you feel faint-hearted, any moment you feel like right now I'm about to come car, wait upon the Lord. Number two, anybody else who is in a state of fragility, well, you've been struggling with ill health. You've been struggling with frailty. You need to speak like Job. Job says in Job chapter 13, 15, he says, Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Even so, I will defend my own ways before him. Though he slays me, I will trust him. Hallelujah. In Job 19, verse 25 to 27, it says, For I know that my Redeemer lives. You need to be able to come to that point and go like, you know, I've gone through all these things, but one thing I know for sure is that my Redeemer lives. Hallelujah. It says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and he shall stand at last on the earth. And after my skin is destroyed, this I know, that in my flesh I shall see God. Whom I shall see for myself. 
and my eyes shall behold and not another how my my heart yearns within me. The question that I have there for you is what do you know? Because what do you know will strengthen you in your moments of weakness, in your moments of ill health. And, and I believe that Job chapter 19.25 was the key, key, key. Remember, we were talking about the handle on something that we can see. I believe Job 19.25 was the key for Job's survival during the time of his horrific trial in life. In life, we will go horrific trial. We'll go through horrific trials. In the moments of weakness, in the moments of sickness, in the moments when you are struggling with ill health, I want to encourage you this morning, hold on unto faith. That's what makes life worth living. This trust in God. That you say, even though he slays me, I will trust him. I know that my redeemer lives. And this, this knowledge of, of the Lord by Job should serve as a reminder for every believer bringing hope in the midst of our greatest trials. Hallelujah. Our hope in the Lord will not be cut off. And one of the things that God says, he says like, I am with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. You may have been struggling with some health issues. I want you to understand the Lord is with you and he promises he will never leave you nor forsake you. He will come through for you someday. One day, Paul, and, and it's amazing. That's when I, I said, I think I'm not done. We are not done. Because the person who was leaving intercession today read scriptures that are in my preaching. So let's read one of them that she read. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 to 10. Paul is struggling with what Paul calls a thorn in the flesh. I do not want to go into any theology of what people try to define what the thorn in the flesh was. All I know is that he had a thorn in the flesh. Hallelujah. That thorn in the flesh can mean anything to anyone else. From my definition. But this is what he has said. He said that there was a thorn in his flesh and he kept on going to God. He kept on going to God. He kept on going to God about it. He kept on going to God about it. And this is what the Lord spoke to. Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 verse 19 says, and he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. Somebody say, God's grace is sufficient for me. Say it one more time as if you believe it. Say, God's grace is sufficient for me. Hallelujah. Says, my, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. You want to experience the strength of the Lord? It's made perfect when you are Weak, it says, therefore, most gladly, I would rather boast in my infirmities. I would rather boast in my weakness that the power of Christ may raise upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for the sake of Christ. For when I am weak, I am strong. Hallelujah. You want to experience the strength of the Lord? So when you're weak. You know, there are moments in life when you, 
you feel self-sufficient, you feel you've got everything else, actually the temptation is to begin to think like you are where you are by your own power, by your own strength. You made it yourself. I was intelligent in school. I was smart in school. I am beautiful. And I want to tell you this. Sometimes, actually, the most beautiful ones don't get married. Did you hear what I said? I can tell you for a fact. Those, those who think sometimes that they are very, very beautiful than anyone else on planet Earth. And anyone else who comes, they go like, who, who do you really think you are? So you woke up this morning. You took a shower. You dressed up. And you told yourself in your mind, you can talk to me. What deceived you to think that you and I are on the same level? There are people like that. There are people like that. So whatever healthy issue, I, I strongly felt about it this morning as, as I was praying, that whatever healthy issue you have struggled with, and for some of us, it has been for years, for years, for years. I actually believe that the Lord said, you go and tell my people, my grace is sufficient for them. And we're going to pray that prayer. Because I don't know what you've been struggling with, but it was very clear. Very, very clear. Since right in that situation, I'll make my strength be be made perfect. And I want you to pray that prayer because we combine it with Holy Communion. And say, Lord, I am by faith taking this Holy Communion, believing that it is your blood. Believing that it is your flesh that was broken for me. And I am praying today, I am weak in my flesh. And I pray in Jesus' name, Lord, make your strength perfect in my life. Glorify yourself in my life, Lord. Hallelujah. Vulnerability. It's another part of weakness. This is a moment, there was a time in the life of David. They went to war. And when they went to war, the king told them to go back. So he went back. And as they were coming back, the Bible tells us in 1 Samuel chapter 30 that they had walked for about three days. And got back. And when they got back, they found that their whole village is burnt. The village was named Zikli. And the men began to cry. Now, I want you to understand and think about this. That men have mostly been told that they are strong. They always say, hey, boys don't cry. Men don't cry. Now, so, most of the times, men will, will pretend to be very, very strong. But if you can find us crying, we cry. So, the Bible says everybody began to weep. And they were weeping and they were crying. I want you to take note of what they were crying for. They were crying for their wives. They were crying for their children. They were crying for their property. They were crying for everything that had accumulated in life. Remember, they had been chased by Saul for a long time. And now they were feeling like now we are settled. Now it looks like things are getting back to normal. They had been there for about one year, I think, and six months. If not one year, and four months. And they feel like life is getting back to normal. 
And sometimes that's what happens. When you feel like life after battle upon battle upon battle upon battle. And now you feel like now things are getting back to normal. Ah, the devil hits. And, and, and the only thing you can do is cry. It's good to cry. But after you've cried, cry, 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 come back to the Lord. I say, Lord, I have cried. Because you know what? There is a certain kind of crying whereby the tears dry out. And the only thing that people can hear is... And you even surprise yourself that tears are all coming. And you know I am crying. And, and we're in no kind of situation. So the Bible says, now David was greatly distressed. For the people spoke of stoning him. The people saying, this trouble we are in is because of you, David. And everybody's thinking of picking stones. The people who were saying, David, 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 the next thing they have found is geology. Stones. Never, never be deceived by the people who shout about, yeah, hey, you're the great man. You're the great woman in life. Hey, you're this one. Tomorrow they can take a stone and throw it at you. That's why you need to strengthen yourself in the Lord. So the Bible says, why were these guys thinking of stoning him? He says, because the soul of all the people was grieved. Every man for his sons and daughters. But the Bible says, but David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. You, you can only find strength in the Lord. I have no idea what we can equate to this story, but, the, but strengthen yourself in the Lord. Your name may have been dragged into the mud. Your reputation right now may be in tatters. You feel like there are moments in life when you feel like it's better to stay in the house and not go anywhere. Because your, your reputation has been dragged out into the mind. And, and, and when you see people talking, you actually think they're talking about you. Even though they don't know you. You can go to the market and you look at the people they are busy talking. You actually think, you begin to see people you have never seen before in life as if you've seen them. They are talking about they are talking about me. They are talking about they are talking about my favorites. But strengthen yourself where? In the Lord. So you may be going through that moment. You may be going through that season. A season of vulnerability. Strengthen yourself in the Lord. You may be going through a season of fragility in life. You know what? God's grace is sufficient for you. Number, number, number what now? Huh? For? Defenseless. You may feel right now you're very, very defenseless. There is nobody to stand for your cause. There's nobody to defend you. Hallelujah. Now, this is what the Bible says in Esther chapter 4, 16. Haman, I actually begin to think that Haman, I think, had more connections. Haman had more access to the king. Haman had more influence on the king than Esther. Because by the time Mordecai is coming to Esther, Esther says, I have not seen my husband myself for one year. It's those of you who are outside who think that me and the king, we meet on a daily basis. Read that story. It's the by the time Mordecai comes. He says, I haven't seen my husband for one full year. 
I've been living in my own wing. I've been living in my own part of the palace. And he has never come to me for one year. But I would believe that when Esther is riding the chariot and is riding on the streets, people are like, oh, how I wish I could be like Esther. How I wish I could be like Esther. There are many people you wish you could be like them. You say that because you don't know what is going in their life. You don't know. Just be yourself. Say, tell yourself, me and the Lord, pronto, period, finish, full stop. Somebody has said it's only African parents that have uh, what? Exclamation marks or punctuation marks in their sentences. Because when we spoke, speak, 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 speak. And, and you need to get to that point. So Esther, when she is told that, she is in a point, she is at a point that she now knows the Jews are about to be slaughtered. Haman has come up with a very perfect plan. She feels very defenseless. And she tells Mordecai in Esther chapter 4, 16, go gather all the Jews who are present in Shushan and fast for me. Neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. And if I perish, I perish. But at least people will say, I dared to trust in the Lord. There are moments in your life, moments in your life, and this will happen. When you have a fasting within a fasting. Have you understood what I'm saying? If you haven't reached there yet, it will come. It will come. You have a fasting within a fasting. You feel like, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, I've been fasting for 30 days. And, 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 and we are breaking in the evening. But right now, I feel like I haven't gotten there yet. And, and let me try what Esther did. And you're going to another fasting. Three days, three nights. Not leaving the room. You begin to smell your own sweat. You begin to feel that you are smelling. And you say, Lord, you have to come in for me. I'm not going anywhere. You need to come in for me because right now, Lord, I am feeling defenseless. I feel like my defense is gone. I feel like I am done. I feel like there's nowhere else I can go. Lord, it's only you. And sometimes, sad enough, sometimes you don't hear the Lord speak feel like he has let you down. He has not let you down. He says, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. And no man shall be able to stand against you all the days of your life. Hallelujah. These things are in the word of God. It is our secure foundation. It is our firm foundation that makes life worth living. If it doesn't so, life wouldn't be worth living at all. Hallelujah. So, that's category number one. Let's go to category number two. So you are already feeling weak in that area. Now let's go to number two. Number two is even worse. Because sometimes when you are feeling weak in the areas that have, when you are defenseless, when you are vulnerable, when your health is very, very fragile, somebody comes over and says, you know what? Zamulunguzi mwaesera, kupiwemperera na kupiwemperani, you have understood what I'm saying. And you feel like, then you create a scripture. The scripture 
reads like this. God helps those who help themselves. Which scripture is that in the Bible? Which verse is it in the Bible? It's a verse. People have told me it's a verse. Which verse is it? God helps those who help themselves. Which verse is that? It's not in the Bible. Maybe it's Levi chapter 1 verse 1. <laughs> or as many chapter 1 verse 1. But people create those scriptures. I've actually seen people speak confidently. The Bible says, and when they're looking at you, they'll look at you with all the confidence. The Bible says, God helps those who help themselves. So there's nothing wrong I have done. No, you are in error. It's called weakness. So moments like those arise in life. You're weak. You're defenseless. You're vulnerable. You are very fragile. And then this scripture that people have created comes up. And then you make a mistake. You make a flaw. Or you, you begin to struggle with your shortcomings. You struggle with your errors. You struggle with your failings and blemish and imperfection. Now, I will read one scripture and then I will quickly go through the other scriptures and then we pray. It, it, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, 29. The Bible says, truly, truly, this only I have found. Now, when they say she is the only child, how many children do the parents have? One. He is the only son. How many sons do they have? One. He is the only child. How many children do they have? One. So Ecclesiastes Solomon, writing in Ecclesiastes, Solomon writing in Ecclesiastes chapter 7, 29, he says, truly, this only I have found. Now when he's saying this only I have found, it means, it means what? That's the only thing, right? That's the what? The only thing, it's really nice about you now, what I'm about to say, he says, that God made man upright. That God made man upright. So you and I, we were made upright by God. He says, but after God made them upright, they have sought out many schemes. He made them upright. You were made upright. I was made upright. But then later on, I begin to seek, to seek my own schemes. So it is at this stage, when we begin to seek many schemes, that we begin to run away from God. We begin to make a decision to run away from God. And then after we run away from God, we are hit by one thing which is really, really hard for a lot of people. It's called guilt and shame. When we've been hit by guilt and shame, what then people begin to do is that they begin to run away from God and it's a, it's, it's, it's a lie. The lie is like this, that people think that if I run away from God, and therefore my guilt and shame will go. Uh -uh, it doesn't go. It stays. Let's go to Psalm 139. Psalm 139. For you to know that guilt and shame they will not go away if you run away from God. The best you can do is come back to God. Hallelujah. He will not reject you. Psalm 139, I'll read quickly. It says, Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. 
You know my sitting down and my rising up. So the Lord knows when you're sitting down. He knows when you're rising up. You, under, you understand my thought afar off. Everything you think, God understands. You comprehend my path and my lying down. And are acquainted with all my ways. There is no way in your life that God is not acquainted with. For there is not a word on my tongue. But behold, O oh Lord, you know it all together. Every word we speak. He knows it. Even when he said, this one is Telling you in confidence. He says, I have heard you say confidence. Says, You have heard me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Now, I want you to see that you cannot run away from God. He says, Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend into heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. If I take my wing, if I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, Surely the darkness shall fall on me, even the night shall be light or shall be light about me. Indeed, the darkness shall not hide me, shall not hide from you but the night shines as the day the darkness and the light are both alike to you for you formed my inward parts you covered me in my mother's womb i will praise you for i am fearfully and wonderfully made somebody tell yourself that word this morning i am fearfully and say it again as if you believe it you don't sound convincing say it again And because you are fearfully and wonderfully made, you are too good for this world. Hallelujah. Since for I am fearfully and wonderfully made, marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. If there is one thing that your soul should know, is that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book they were all written. The days fashioned for me. When as yet there were none of them. How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Oh, that you would slay the wicked, O God. Depart from me, therefore, you bloodthirsty men. For they speak against you wickedly. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate them, O Lord, who hate you? And do I not love those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way everlasting. You may have come to church this morning. And you are so anxious about so many other things. Bring them before the Lord this morning. Tell them at the cross, at the cross, where I saw the light, where I first saw the light. The burdens of my heart, they rolled away. It was there by faith. Hallelujah. It was there by faith. It was there by the trust in God. And I saw the light. You never find true joy in life without Christ. Amen. 
And that's where emotional intelligence comes in. Because emotional intelligence is to do with self-awareness and self-management. It's very hard for you to manage something you are not aware of. So in Psalm 51, when David was confronted by Nathan, after he had gone into Bathsheba, in verse 1 of Psalm 51, this is what David said. And we're going to, you, you're going to pray that prayer if you're in that state right now. In Psalm 51, this is the, what David says. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. That you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me. Behold, you desire truth in the inward parts. And in the hidden part, you will make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me hear joy and gladness. That the bones you are broken may rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence and do not take away your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners shall be converted to you. Deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed, O God, the God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice or else I'll give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. This, O oh God, you will not despise. Do good in your good pleasure to Zion. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then you shall be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. With burnt offering and whole burnt offering. Then they shall offer booze on water. Hallelujah. David, David came before the Lord and says, create me a clean heart. You need to check what you feed your heart when you are in that kind of weakness. Check what you feed your heart. Hallelujah. Because it can take you away from God. And he says, Lord, don't cast me away from your presence. Uphold me by your generous spirit. What you need to understand, church, is that you are 100% spirit. And 100% human. And that's where the trouble comes in. In Acts, of 30, Acts chapter 30, 22, the Bible says, And when he had removed him, meaning Saul, he raised, them, he raised up for them David as king, to whom he also gave testimony and said, I have found David the son of Jersey, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. When the Bible says, become a man after God's own heart. Become a woman after God's own heart. Despite all these flaws and shortcomings and errors and mistakes that you have made in life. I found ten things that made David to be a man after God's own heart. I will just quickly read them. Psalm 62 verse 9 says, Surely men of low degree are a vapor. Men of high degree are a lie. If they are weighed on the scales, they are altogether lighter than vapor. 
The understanding that men of low degree are a vapor and men of high degree are a lie should make you to be humble before the Lord. Should make you to understand and know I'm not the best thing that happened after Eve and I'm not the best thing that happened after Adam. Hallelujah. Whoever I am, I am what I am by the grace of God. David was very, very humble. So whether king or taking care of sheep, he knew about the Lord. Number two, the man was very reverent of God. In Psalm 18.3, the Bible says, I'll call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So I shall be served from my enemies. Number three, David was very respectful. In Psalm 31.9, says, have mercy on me, O Lord, for I am in trouble. My eyes waste away with grief. Yes, my soul and my body. In Psalm 27 verse 1, David was very trusting. Says the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? David was very loving of God. In Psalm 18 verse 1, when God had delivered him from Saul, he says, I will love you, O Lord, my strength. In number 6, in Psalm 4, 7, David was so devoted to God. He says, you put gladness in my heart more than in the season that their grain and wine increased. In Psalm 9, 1, David was full of recognition of God. He says, I will praise you, O Lord, with my whole heart. I will tell of all your marvelous works. Number eight, David was faithful to God. In Psalm 23, 6, he says, Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I was glad when they said unto me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. Number nine, David was very obedient. In Psalm 119.34, he says, Give me understanding I shall, and I shall keep your law. Indeed, I shall observe it with my whole heart. You can add Proverbs 3, 5 to 6, which I read earlier on. Number 10, David was repentant. In Psalm 25, 11, he says, For your name's sake, O Lord, pardon my iniquity, for it is great. And these 10 things made David to become a man after God's own heart. If you look at those things, humility, reverence, respect, trusting, loving, devotion to God, recognition of God, faithfulness to God, obedience to God, and being repentant, where are you failing? Because God wants these things to be clear in your life. And you will see yourself becoming a man after God's own heart. A woman after God's own heart. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14 to 16, says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold on, let us hold fast to our confession. Brothers and sisters, if there is anything we can hold on fast to, it has to be the confession that Christ is Lord, that by his blood we've been washed. Hallelujah. says, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. The, what that scripture is telling us is this. Is there an area of in your life whereby you have been tempted? The Bible says Christ was tempted in that area. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Is there an area in your life where you feel I'm being tempted. It says Christ was tempted but without sin. It says let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. Because Christ went through everything we go through, we have gone through, that's why he does not cast us away. Amen. He can't. He will not. And actually God will reveal himself more and more to you in your moments of weakness. If you can just be humble. The last three scriptures and then we pray. James chapter 5, 17 to 18. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. But he says he had a nature just like us. When Jezebel threatened him, he ran away. Hallelujah. He was, all the people you have seen God use in their lives were just like you and me. Nothing special about them. They just chose to trust in the Lord. Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not, for I am with you. Don't do things because of fear. Trust God. Hallelujah. Don't do things because of fear. Trust God. It says, fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, I am, for I am your God. I will strengthen you, yes. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And finally, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8 to 9a, says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not be carried away with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace. And in this month, we are in a month of grace upon grace. Those that are worshiping with us for the first time, as soon as I close with a word of prayer, we request you to come to the front so that I can also pray for you. Just a special prayer that we pray for all our guests. And uh, just a reminder about the fence project. Each panel is 181,000. You can team up two people, three people, pick a panel. Uh, we are doing exactly what happened in the book of Nehemiah. We are coming together. We are building the fence. So let's, uh, if you can, you can afford, pick up a panel. It's 181,000 if you can afford it on your own. You can team up with other people to do that. I know the money has started coming in. We have set a target ourselves that we are going to build the fence by December 31st. So let's make sure we do that. Next Sunday, we take some more time to pray. There's something else that I believe God wants to do in our lives. So we take some more time to pray. We have to share with the Lord. Amen. And uh, we carry somebody else and invite someone else to come. And then we take some time to pray. Amen. Let's stand as we close. Uh, we continue to pray for Mzondrasi's brother. And uh, our brother James Makwakwa, his mother is also in Mosman and KCH. So we just uh, continue to pray for them. I'll include them in the closing prayer. Let's just pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray to the brother of Nzongwasi this morning, who is at Diane Luke Hospital. And we also pray for the mother to James Makwakwa. 
Kings and KCH. Lord, we pray you touch and heal both of them. In Jesus' mighty name. Because we are able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond what we can think or imagine. And that for your people today, as we lift up our hands, I declare, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon your life and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon your life and grant you peace. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.